Well, today we conclude our series, Peace and Quiet, developing the discipline of slowing down in a world intent on speeding up. And I was wondering, um, and well, before we get to that, next week we're going to begin a new series. Um, it's called Wilderness and Wonderings. And so that'll start next Sunday. So be here for that. But I was wondering through this series how many people have intentionally tried to slow down just a little bit. Anyone unplugged from, if you don't have an iPhone, you can't claim that you don't use your iPhone, okay? It's lots of people like, well, I don't even have one. Oh, great. Congratulations. Um, no, um, it's hard to slow down. We're, we're so used to this rapid play pace of life. And as we talked about last week, there are so many of us that have so much on our plate. And the, the truth of the matter is we don't get a bigger plate. As we, much as we would like to, we don't get a bigger plate. We get the time that we have, and that's all that we have. And so the question comes, how do we keep ourselves from suffocating? Because there is so much to do and so much to get done and so much that we want to do. How is it that we keep ourselves from suffocating in our own schedules? And the question that this series has really raised for me is we talk about the, the pace of life that we live at. Is what will this new pace of life do to our souls? How will it affect your soul, your heart, your spirit? How will it affect your relationship with Christ? And, and one of the, the, my favorite um, preachers is Andy Stanley. And he always says that this is not a problem to be solved, about many things. This is not a problem to be solved, but it is a tension to be managed. And as we talk about our, our life, our schedules, all that we have going on, all that we have on our plate, remember that this is not a problem that we're trying to solve. You never fix it. But it is a tension that we manage. And I've had so many conversations with people around this series. Questions like, how do I serve and give to our church, but yet at the same time create space for myself? How do I balance work and family? Because it seems like every day it's more and more is expected of me from my work and from my company and what I have to produce, how do I balance all of it? And so what we did last week, we went back and we looked at the life of Jesus. Because so many times when we talk about Jesus, what we do is we look at his attitudes and his actions, how he interacted with people, what he did in this world. And we look at stories. But one of the things that we fail to do is we fail to look at Jesus' pace of life. Because one of the most successful people in the history of the world, or the most successful person in the history of the world, is Jesus. And he obviously did more in three short years of ministry than we will ever do in our whole life. And it wasn't simply because he was God. Okay? He, he was 100% God. He was 100% man. He was fully human. And he dealt with what we did. But what he did is different than us is he lived at a different pace of life. And his culture and his world 
probably made that a whole lot easier than our culture. But it does not mean that we just simply dismiss it and say it's an impossibility. It becomes a discipline that we practice and we begin to work with so that we are formed more in the image of Christ. So that every day we look more and more like Jesus than we did the day before. Because that that is the goal. This Christiformity, this Christ-likeness living in us and through us so that people see Christ in everything we do. The question then becomes, how do we do that? How do we balance? Because family is important. Your marriage is important. Your kids are important. Their activities are important. Their grades are important. Your job is important. Making sure you keep a job is important. Making sure you provide for your family is important. Cleaning your house is kind of important. Um, Doing your yard work so your neighbors don't call the police is important. I mean, there, there are all these things that we have to do. And my guess is as I start naming them off, it probably creates a little bit of anxiety in you because I just brought up some things that I forgot to do that and tomorrow's Monday and everything starts over again and I'm going to have to go back to work and I'm not going to have time. Anyone kind of feel that tension? Just every single day. And then the question, how do we balance it? How is it affecting our soul? How is it running us into the ground? And we have a society, listen, we have a society where we see marriages that are just struggling. Where kids are are struggling. We have a society where we see moral failure and corruption everywhere. And, And here's what I think. I don't think any of those people start out, you know what, I'm gonna run my marriage into the ground. I'm going to make sure my kids walk away and want nothing to do with me. I'm I'm going to create some atmosphere where I commit a crime that I'm not going to be able to recover from. But I believe so many are running themselves into the ground to the point they are so tired and exhausted that moral failure that letting go of the things that matter most crashes and burns along with our bodies. And your body was made by God and it will be only able to do so much. There's only so much that you are capable of. So we're going to look at this passage. It's at the end of Matthew 6. It's right there in the center of the Sermon on the Mount. And my guess is when I start reading it, every one of you um, who, who's been in church for a long time, yeah, I know that, we, we're good, we got that. But I want you to hear these words this morning. I want you to hear these words this morning as a culture, as a people who are tired and run down, who, who's suffocating in their schedules, who are looking for relief, who are looking for rest. So, Matthew 6, starting in verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. He goes on, Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will despise or be devoted to one and despise the other. 
So he goes here to start out, you cannot serve two masters. And in the previous little section, he's been talking about money. And so he says, you cannot serve two masters. You're going to hate one and love the other. You're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he goes on to say this, you cannot serve both God and money. To which we say, yeah, we know that's maybe not a big deal for us. My, my guess is for the most part in this room this morning, um, we, we have a fairly middle, upper class church. Most of you didn't wake up this morning and think, I don't know what we're going to eat today. We don't have anything in the, maybe because your schedule didn't allow you to actually go to the store. But it wasn't a question of, are we going to have money to buy at least some basics? Are we going to have something to wear? Are we going to have something to put on? Are we going to be able to dress our kids? That probably wasn't most people's morning. But he says you can't serve God and money. And I think for our purposes, Jesus is saying, Here, here's an example of two masters. Here's an example of two masters, God and money. And we might say you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and self-image. You can't serve God and success. You can't serve God and comfort. You can't serve God and notoriety. And here's the point Jesus wants us to understand. You cannot give your life, you cannot be devoted, you can't love more than one master. Because if you do, you're going to find yourself giving yourself to the other master to the point that you begin to hate the other one. Because almost always the master's request is going to be in conflict. What the master asks of you is going to be in conflict with one another. You can't serve money and self. You can't serve money and your image or notoriety or success. You can't serve God and your kids. You can't serve God and your spouse. There can only be two masters. And then our, our New Testaments, and pretty much all versions do this, they put this little subheading between, which I don't think is supposed to really be there. Because here's what he says next. Therefore, and the therefore here is not a, a great, great translation. The, the much more literal translation is because of this. So he's moving from what looks like one section to another, and he says because of this. Because of what? Because you cannot have two masters. Because you can't serve both God and money. Because you can't serve both God and self-image. Because you can't serve both God and notoriety, or God and success, or God and your kids. Because you cannot have two masters. Because of this, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And I want you to listen for this phrase as we read through these few verses here this morning. This is number one. Do not worry about your life. Okay? Do not worry about what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Don't, don't worry about them, which 
I would imagine for a lot in this room say, well, we probably don't, right? We said last week, we, we might not worry about if we're going to eat, we worry about what we're going to eat. What's for lunch? Where are we going? We're going to Saltgrass. We're going to Golden Corral. We're going to Olive Garden. We're going to Dairy Queen. You know, wh- where are we going? Not, are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Not, are we going to have clothes? Which clothes am I going to wear? Or about your body and what you will wear going on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? Then he goes on to say this. Look, which is an imperative. This is a command. Look at the birds of the air. To which we would all reply, we don't have time to look at the birds of the air. We got stuff to do. We're busy. We don't have time to look at the birds. How many people have stopped recently and looked at birds? All right. There's a few. Yeah, good. Congratulations. More, more than like one minute? Okay, there, there's a few. That, okay, more than one minute. Congratulations. Okay. It's because of this series, right? No. <laughs> look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? What a great question. You look at the birds, and they don't take care of really anything. They don't store or or sow or reap. They just, God takes care of them. And then he asks this really powerful question. Do you believe that God thinks you are more valuable than the birds? Do you believe that God loves you and cares for you and provides for you and protects you more than the birds of the air? Are you not much more valuable than they And then I think the greatest question he asked in this whole thing, because I think it's so prevalent for our day, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? How many people worry? Anyone worry in here on occasion? How many people are lying? What do you worry about? What do you worry? Here, what do you, what do you worry about? Call, what? Things you can't change. Okay. What else? What do you worry about? Kids. Yeah, kids. What else? Your wife. All right. Did you say wife? Okay. We have a counselor who sits right over in this section. After we get done this morning, just, what, what is it, Donovan? School, yes. What else? What do you worry about? Health, yeah, health. Future, yeah. Kids, yeah, we worry. We, we do. We worry a lot in our world. We're, we're wired to worry. And here's the question Jesus asked. Can any of you? By worrying at a single hour to your life. 
can worrying give you a bigger plate where you can put more stuff on it that's going to consume more of your time? Can worrying do that? We might say it like this. Can any of you, any one of you, by obsessing over what you have no control over, influence what you have no control over? Can any of you, by obsessing over what you have no control over, influence what you have no control over? And then he comes to the end of this little section, and he says this to the the people listening, his disciples, his apostles, all those gathered around listening to Jesus. He says, you of little faith. And it's this really weird construction of, of faith only is used five times in the entire New Testament, and all of them are by Jesus. It's kind of this idea like, you little faithers, you, you people of little faith, you, what, are, what are you doing doubting? Look, look how God takes care of his creation. Look how he shows his goodness. Why, why do you have so little faith? You've seen God continually take care of you and take care of all that you worry about. Don't worry. Have faith. But it's not so easy, right? Do not worry. Do not worry about the things you cannot control. Because no matter how much you worry, you gain nothing from it. So what is the problem with worry? Why is it that Jesus is so consumed with us not worrying? See, the problem with worry is worry becomes a functional God. Because when we worry, what happens is our mind is completely consumed by something else. If we have debt and we begin to worry about debt, The more we worry about it, the more our mind, our heart, our soul begins to move towards it. Functionally, it becomes a God. Functionally, it begins to consume our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And we need to be reminded of the words of Jesus, you cannot serve two masters. You begin to worry about your kids. And it begins to consume your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Does it mean we don't love our kids and we don't give to our kids? We don't serve? Absolutely, we do. But they are not your master. And we live in a society. Listen, listen, listen. We live in a society where it seems like so many parents have allowed their kids to become their masters where their kids dictate their schedules, where their kids have all control over their calendars. And listen, it is not healthy. We live in a society where work has become our master, and we worry about it. And we're consumed about it. And functionally, it becomes a God. It becomes what we serve rather than our Creator. 
do not worry. It's the second time in just a few verses that Jesus feels he needs to remind us, do not worry. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? He goes on to say, the pagans run after these things. The pagans pursue these things. But your heavenly Father, this is great news, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So do not worry. So what is it today that you're worried about? What what is it today that consumes your heart and your mind and your soul? Because Jesus reminds us, you cannot serve two masters. So don't be consumed with what must take place tomorrow so that you are mastered by it today. Don't be consumed with what must take place tomorrow so that you are mastered by it today. But how do we do that? How do we keep our lives straight so that we don't find ourselves with three and four and five different masters, things that we're serving, things that we're running around trying to impress and take care of? How do we do that? Jesus goes on to say this. Seek first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. How do we not worry about tomorrow? How do we not be consumed by what is so all-consuming in our life? It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus' reminder, you cannot have two masters, and I want to be master over your life, but you cannot have two. So how do we begin to seek his righteousness? What does that look like to seek his righteousness? What does it look like to seek his kingdom above everything else? As we talked about last week, it's not really a matter of capacity, you know, how much the plate can hold, because all of us have the same 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You do not get more, no matter what you do. So it's not a question of capacity. It is a question of priority. Priority determines capacity. Priority determines capacity. Priority determines capacity. I want to show you something real quick, and I I debated whether or not I was going to actually show you this or not, um, because my guess is that every single person in here has seen it, or you've read a book where it talks about it, and so when when you see what we're going to do, you're going to think, oh yeah, I I know what that is, but but the sake of of boring you, I'm, I'm going to let you just watch, okay? Priority determines capacity.
priority determines capacity. Priority determines capacity. What you put in first will dictate the capacity which you can hold. What you put in first matters. Most of us run around on empty because our priorities are not right. What Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of this, all these things, will be given to you as well. Priority determines capacity. What are you putting in first? What, what goes in to your life first? Because he goes on to say this in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry third time. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. As I've been reflecting and thinking over this, this last week, I realized something. What if verse 34 isn't necessarily a command, but rather a blessing. If you will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then the blessing you will receive is that you won't worry about your life. And you won't worry about tomorrow and you won't worry about what comes next what if verse 34 is actually a blessing for us seeking his kingdom first don't be consumed with what must place, take place tomorrow 
so that you are mastered by it today. Jesus reminds us, you cannot serve two masters. Because if you do, you will hate one and despise the other. What you put in first matters. And your relationship with God has to be what is first. Everything else flows out of that. My ability to be a good father to my children flows out of my relationship with God. My ability to be a good husband flows out of my relationship to God. My ability to be a good employee, a good leader, a good boss flows out of my relationship with God. Everything begins there. And what happens to so many of us, we become completely consumed with all that we have to do, thinking if we don't get it all done, no one else will. If we don't do it, and we neglect what comes first. We neglect what must be the center of our relationship. Can I remind you, I showed you this last week, you live here. Right, right, right there. That, that little dot, you live there. In the grand scheme of things, I'm pretty insignificant. Okay? And if my kids aren't in one more activity, if I don't do one more thing that everyone else thinks I should need to do and I neglect what matters most, then I've failed the people that I'm leading. I've failed my family. Starts there. Priority determines capacity. What are you putting in first? Let me just say this. I, I know there are a lot of people in here who would say, I'm not a morning person. I, I don't like getting up early. Let me just say this. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're seriously going to follow Jesus, you have to find a way to start your foot there. You have to find a way to start your day at the feet of Jesus. And you have to find a rhythm to your life to where you return to the feet of Jesus throughout the day. And our minds, our hearts have to stay focused there. You've got to find a way. It doesn't mean it has to be the most significant part of your prayer time. If you do late at night, that's great. Do, do that. But find a way to start the day with Jesus. Father, today um, we pray in this place that your spirit would be here with us. That your presence would fill us. Father, that you would guide us, that you would help us, that you would strengthen us as we try to follow Jesus. Father, help us to slow down. Help us to keep things in perspective. Help us to keep moving towards you every single day, growing more and more into your likeness. Father, help us to slow down at times when we have the opportunity 
Father, not to, not to walk as fast, not to drive as fast, just simply to be still, to be slower in your presence and to talk to you continually throughout the day, refocusing our mind, our heart on you because, Father, there are going to be things that come up, things that make us worry, things that consume our thoughts, our minds, our actions, things that, that grab hold of our attention, people that irritate us, that are difficult to work with. But, Father, we've got to keep our minds focused on you. And, Father, we've got to keep the first things first. Father, help us as we follow Jesus to slow down. And, Father, allow that pace of life shape and form who we are. Let us seek first today your kingdom and your righteousness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.